Hey everyone, welcome to the Conversations That Matter podcast, road edition, rocking chair edition, staying at a friend's house in Virginia, which is a blessing. And uh, yesterday I was doing a project for another organization that asked me on Thomas Jefferson and Sally Hemings. And it's stuff you're not going to hear from the Academy today. So uh, look out for that. I'll let you know when it comes out. And uh, that should be good. I also did a, an interview with a Jefferson scholar just on some questions that I've had about Thomas Jefferson. So I'll let you in on that, uh, Lord willing, next week. Um, in the meantime, uh, <laughs> you've been hearing this past week uh, from me on various uh, teachers uh, and, uh, well, various figures um, in different circles that I think uh, people that we trusted or we, we would have naturally trusted that now we probably got to ask some questions about or uh, in, in the case of the podcast that's about to be released in about half an hour, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing this, recording this on Thursday around 2.30, uh, talking about someone in the PCA who I think conservatives have a lot of hope in, but um, for lack of, uh, I guess, a better way of putting it, there there's, seems to be a strategic difference uh, between uh, not just myself, but I think a lot of you out there, a lot of working class people, and then people with some institutional uh, credibility. And I want to talk about that a little bit, um, but I want to acknowledge a, first thing, a few things first. Uh, one is that those three podcasts that I released this week were recorded within hours. They were right before the leak from the Supreme Court. And I would have probably done something different if I had known that. I would have talked about Roe v. Wade, and but you know what? The Lord's sovereign. And uh, I think those have been helpful for many of you, and I've gotten some messages from some of you that have been encouraging and uh, and so his timing's perfect, and I just um, uh, leave that to him. Uh, I am encouraged to see what's going on. I, I don't know if this is going to lead to something happening. I, I, I mean, people are theorizing that maybe one of the Supreme Court justices is going to be assassinated, or maybe uh, there's going to be so much political pressure applied, it's going to make one of them switch their vote. Or, you know, there's all these possibilities that are swirling around. I don't know. Um, I do know, though, that. God's timing's perfect. He's sovereign. And even if this is a temporary thing, we, we want to see this happen. We want to see the lives of children saved. So that's, um, that's going on as well. Let's pray for that. Uh, Grove City College right now is having what amounts to a civil war. I, I don't think I've ever seen so much unrest at an institution over social justice uh, because it's happening within the organization. You have even professors now coming out publicly, some of them engaging in some really dirty tactics, things that, honestly, 10 years ago, I think would have been seen as if you did these things, if you were trying to go after a board member because of supposed ties she might have to, her church might have to, uh, connections to possible racism, maybe. Uh, I mean, you would have just been seen as kind of a jerk. But now, uh, the social justice folks, the, the hard left, I mean, they... They think anything is fine as long as it advances the revolution. It, it, and it becomes, to the, it gets to the point where lying and stealing and all kinds of things become permissible as long as you're, you're forwarding the right political agenda. It's just it's disgusting, really. So moral, morality is just thrown out the window. Um, in fact, that's the same thing with uh, what's happened with the Supreme Court thing. I mean, it's you know, leaking a, a, a brief like this is just so unprofessional, but it's also, it, it would have, it's seen by conservatives like it's immoral, but the hard left thinks, oh, this is great. 
anything we can use, we'll do. If we have to break rules, we break rules or traditions, we break them. We, we just got to do it because uh, we got to uh, support the next rung on the social justice advancement. So uh, that's going on. Um, I want to talk, though, about uh, something that I'm anticipating. It hasn't happened yet because the video uh, hasn't been released. That's going to be released in about half an hour. But um, I'm releasing a video, and, and in that video, I talk about someone in the uh, PCA who a lot of conservatives have a lot of confidence in. And I think probably my video is going to make some of them second-guess that, you know, wonder whether they should have confidence. And I've, I've dealt with this issue for years now, in the SBC especially. And in fact, I'll give you a story from one person told me that probably would, would never come out publicly and try to be associated with me ever. But behind the scenes, they'll talk to me. And they, they told me that, you know, if we, all, if we all go at once, if we all just take, uh, talk about the false teachers, you know, go against social justice at once in the SBC, we'll all just die. We'll, we'll just, it'll be over. And, and, and we have to be really smart about this. We have to, you know, be strategic. And some people are going to have to play different parts. And to some extent, I understand that and agree with the idea that some people have different strengths and weaknesses and they're going to play different parts as a result. The thing that was disconcerting to me, and this happened probably two and a half years ago, this conversation, and I think it, it relates to um, the pushback I might receive for the video that I, that's about to be released today, is that there, there's an assumption here, I think, possibly undergirding this, that we shouldn't really be vocal about it, or it's not necessary to, to call out false teaching and to be vocal about it. Uh, I realize we have different platforms and we, because of that, the nature of that, we're going to have different levels of influence. Um, but we, whatever responsibility, that's the key thing, whatever responsibility we have, whatever people are under our charge and our influence, uh, people that we can um, seek to uh, talk to and educate and uh, steer clear of a false gospel, whoever's in that group, we do have a responsibility to them. And more so as proximity gets closer to you. I mean, if you're a father, you have a responsibility to your children and to your wife, right? If you're a husband and if you're a pastor, your flock, you know, you're supposed to guard over their souls, as Hebrews says. And the theme, we see, the theme throughout the New Testament that we see is that false teaching needs to be called out. We have to be discerning. We have to test the spirits. Uh, we have to mark a divisive person. Uh, we, um, we are supposed to publicly separate from false teachers, uh, and if we don't, then we are subject to confrontation for sh sharing, uh, for breaking bread with them and giving the impression that we're the same because we're not the same. And so that's been the thing that's concerned me is that is, is there really a position or a part you play because you're part of an institution that requires you then, uh, and I'm talking about Christian institutions, right? That's, that's what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm saying, you know, institutions that are, uh, have a, beliefs that are, uh, at least supposed to be, they pretend to be, they talk about being committed to the true gospel. If you're part of an institution like that, whether it's a church or a parachurch, is there an option that says, well, we can allow some false teaching or some false teachers because we're playing this long game strategy and we can go and give the impression that they're one of us because we don't want to offend them and we can call them brother and we can you know, do all kinds of things to uh, to butter them up uh, and express our disagreements, but do so in a way that um, makes it sound like those disagreements aren't really that serious uh, because 
you know, they're still our brother and we're still just having a great time figuring out where the differences are. Is there an option for that within gospel preaching organizations? And the answer, I think, is no. Not if we take the New Testament seriously. We're supposed to be always on guard. We're supposed to expect subversion. We're supposed to expect false teachers to come in. And I don't care what your position is. That's not an option to just totally be silent on it to the point that you give the impression that, hey, their gospel and my gospel is the same. Their, um, their theology and my theology is, you know, we both have um, good theology that's orthodox. So you can't do that. That's, and that's where I push back and say no. Uh, what it, you can have all the strategies in the world. It's fine to have strategies. But if your strategy includes giving the impression that someone who's a false teacher isn't actually a false teacher, bad strategy, failing strategy, and it won't work. And that's my, my root issue, I think. And that's what I think a lot of laymen and, um, and, and pastors as well, who lack the inst- generally pastors who lack the institutional credibility, I think a lot of them see that. And there's some people in institutions that also see that. But I think broadly speaking, a lot of conservatives don't see that. They are afraid to, they think it's too mean. There's like this gentleman's code that they're operating by that assumes that false teachers aren't really false teachers. And it, it lacks an eternal perspective. It's a very temporary perspective. And a lot of the time it's to secure or to maintain the reputation of an institution. To try not, you, you know, you must not hurt the institution. If you hurt the institution by calling out a false teacher there or opposing them, then man, uh, you know, that's just rude. That's mean, that's evil. You don't have unity. And the assumption behind all of that is that there is a unity that exists because we're all brothers, but we're not. That's the problem. When you have false teachers, you're not all brothers. And so someone like a Scott Sauls who preaches a false gospel, I mean, what do you do with a guy like that? Well, I think you just call him out. He's a false teacher. Uh, I, think, I think it's that simple. You give him a chance to repent, but when he publicly puts teaching out there that's false, you can publicly uh, try to save the people who might listen to that from going down that path or you know, try, try to warn them. That's what we're called to do. So that's kind of my issue. When someone goes out there and acts like a big, tough conservative because they name a theology that's bad. I mean, that's a great step in the right direction. Or they might name a movement that's bad. You know, that's a great step in the right direction. But I think what we see in the New Testament is there is a naming of the people who hear the warnings of Paul and of John know exactly who they're talking about. The descriptions are specific enough. They know exactly who they're talking about. And um, sometimes the names are actually named. And so it's, it, it's not left up to the imagination to speculate of, of well, we really got to be careful of the false social justice gospel. Wonder who's putting that in, in the water. Well, we know who's putting that in the water. So that's, th- that's what I would say is, is we, you have to, and, and you can't confuse the issue by then going and, and saying, well, we, we disagree and that's a really bad and serious issue, but I'm going to act like that's a brother. I'm going to try to um, say how much I appreciate them and, and their astute thinking on theology or something. I mean, that's, that's like, that's counterproductive. That's just giving mixed signals. And so clarity is the important thing. Now, why, why is this often a strategy that's taken that, well, we, we can outmaneuver this, this stuff by, uh, pretending like we're on their side just to kind of ambush them later, like wait for the right moment. And that's when we strike, that's when we're going to come out real, you know, because you see the same dynamic a similar dynamic in the Republican Party. Now, this is secular, and this is totally, this is totally different. I'm just, it's not gospel-related stuff. It's, it's, uh, 
it's ethics. But I'm just saying I see a similar way to operate there where it's like um, a lot of Republicans who have a lot of institutional clout will try to tell their donors and their base that they're super conservative. And this is what you're, we're going to do if you elect us. And we're, we're going to go after those pro-abortionists and we're going to go after um, – we're going to support the family. That's the thing they say now because they don't want to get specific on it. And we're going to support girls' sports and, and things. They'll say all these things, but then when they get elected, generally, they don't do much. Uh, and uh, and why is that? Why do you see so much caving? And and But such strong talk initially. So, you know, tell the donors how strong we're going to be and how committed we are. But then when it comes to practically actually exercising that, we don't see it. There's a lot of things that could be said. I don't know the exact reason. Maybe you can put in the comments what you think it is. You know, just lacking backbone. Uh, men aren't men anymore. Uh, maybe in the in the church, as it relates to uh, the issue with social justice coming into Christian institutions, is it we just have a bunch of people who aren't saved running these organizations? Is it? I mean, so many things have been thrown out there uh, to try to explain this, and I have my own thoughts on it, uh, and and I think it's a combination of a lot of things, but. Uh, it, it, it is a hard, it's a challenging thing to, to figure out why that dynamic exists. And there is, a, I think, an incentive to try to keep the money coming in to tell the donors what they want to hear and the conservative donors, but then to do something different when you're talking to, I don't know, federal government and you know, people who would come into your seminary to uh, apply the Title IV regulations from the Biden administration. Well, Better make sure we're, you know, stepping in line or, or the students who are increasingly getting woke or uh, the, the, just the academia itself tends to run to the left. And so to kind of maintain status and institutional respect, you kind of have to veer that direction. Um, I mean, that's what we've seen with a lot of these things where you'll see a chapel message or you'll see uh, a, uh, an academic lecture and it's totally woke, but then the the institution is telling all their donors that they're this orthodox great school. And uh, and the people who work there are all, in, you know, you think they're of the same mind and they're just not. There's a disconnect. That's all I'm saying. There is a disconnect uh, between the rhetoric and then what happens in practice. And so what what I would want to see moving forward is, is the guys who do take uh, have strong language against some of this stuff in the abstract, make it concrete and don't confuse the issue by calling false teachers your brother in Christ. Uh, you can respect them without doing that. And, and the respect is going to be uh, in calling out their error and then, you know, being direct, but also being a, a gentleman about it, that, you know, there's nothing personal here. And uh, I, I, you know, would love to be friendly with you. And I'm not going to be immature and trash talk you or say mean, you know, things about you that are beyond the pale that are just name calling or uh, character assassinations that are unjustified or something. But no, I am going to uh, come out very clearly against the false gospel you are teaching. And I'm going to call on you to publicly repent. And if you do not do so, then yes, you, I, I will be your enemy in this denomination because we, uh, or this organization, because we believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ and we protect it at all, all costs. And we believe that the sheep who are um, charged to us, that we're charged to care for, are... Uh, they, they can be receptive to bad messages and we're going to protect them from those things. And we're going to uh, make clear delineations. That, so that's what I would say needs to happen. It needs to be encouraged. And if that doesn't happen, if you're not seeing that, you could give me all the great speeches in the world about how conservative you are. It doesn't really matter. And so 
that's what we need. I think that's what we, what we really need right now. And and the objection has been uh, from people with some institutional clouds. John, you just don't understand the pressures we're under. We don't want to get fired. We don't want to lose those relationships. We, those relationships are our lifelines. Those are relationships. We need those. We need to make sure that we don't rock the boat. You know what? Those relationships, with especially with false teachers, they're, they're not worth it. They're just not worth it. Um, they're... Those aren't real relationships either. Those are fake. If you're if you're saying you just don't want to rock the boat because you have such good relationships with these men, that can mean one or two things. Either these men are uh, you don't actually think they're false teachers or dangerous enough to because because you're close with them, you don't take it seriously, or uh, you're being disingenuous with them and you have a surface level relationship that's based on deception. And it, it's not an actual relationship. Uh, you, you're not really, you're not friends with that person. You might say that, but you're trying to subvert them. You're, so that, that's the issue. And, and that's the kind of tactics that the other side uses is the subversion stuff. And we gotta be, we gotta be vigilant about it, but we don't need to go and do the same things that they do. So uh, that's all I have to say about uh, what I'm expecting to be possible pushback on the video that, um, that you saw yesterday, which uh, as I'm recording this, has yet to be released, but uh, there, I, I'm speaking in general terms just because uh, this audience, if you followed what I'm doing, I've given you a lot of specifics over the years, and uh, this applies to a number of situations, and so I'm not talking about one specifically. I'm just saying this is in general. These are the, the things that I see uh, from just observing this over the last few years and why I think institutions tend to be compromised. Uh, there is this this um, fraternity that is exerts so much pressure that the people who belong to it feel as though they cannot uh, risk being alienated from it because they're dependent on it in some way. Trust God. Trust God. That's all I say about that. You know, He will provide. And um, if we all charge at once, uh, it doesn't, we're not all going to die. God's going to see it. And in fact, it's been my point for a while now that if we all charged at once, it would create such a moment, such momentum that maybe we would get something done. And, and that's what I think would be, um, a, a lot better strategy than the kind of just lack of clarity, uh, letting things continue to, to go downhill. But, uh, trying to wait for that best opportune spot and saying things that sound tough, but don't actually get applied to specific people. Uh, that that's, that's a failing strategy and it's been failing for a few years. So, uh, pray for, for leaders in your church and your denominations and your organizations, pray they'd have guts. If you're that man and you're, you know, been, you've been having a hard time, uh, come out, you know, one, one of the guys, there's actually a bunch of guys that really inspire me along these lines. Um, and one of them, who just came to mind is Tom Rush. Tom Rush is a trustee. I believe he's still a trustee. Maybe he's not anymore, but at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Man, he just came out and he just said, this is what's happening there. That was brave. Go go look up his video where he talks about Al Mohler. He talks about what, what's happening at Southern Seminary. What a brave guy. I mean, he's risking all kinds of relationships. I'm sure there's all kinds of boards and things he could have been on that will never happen now because of that. But you know what? He can sleep at night. And his reward's in heaven, and uh, he's just a man I respect so much. Um, there's And there's many others. There's uh, the, the Lutheran professor uh, that just came out recently and and talked about his experience. I mean, what a brave guy. He doesn't care 
what they're going to do to him, what names they're going to call him. He just cares about the truth. And, and that's the kind of people we need, uh, the people who aren't calculating for their own aggrandizement or gain or their, their network. I mean, for, for those who don't know, if you're in academia or really any of these uh, organizations, your relationships tend to be your lifeline because if you get fired, you always can use a relationship to uh, get an opening somewhere else. And it's not all wrong to have relationships and to have openings uh, that you can go into because, but it should be based upon the fact that you're a good worker, that they've seen your work, that they there's real trust, real relationships there, not not a fake good old boys network. And I'm, I'm afraid in, far too often it's a fake good old boys network that acts like a guild. And that's why the same people, when they're even fired for reasons related to social justice or they have to leave, uh, they end up going to other organizations like Russell Moore leaving the URLC for Christianity Today. Uh, or Karen Swallow Pryor leaving Liberty University where there was a lot of pressure. She goes to Southeastern. Or, you know, there's, there's a lot of examples of this kind of thing. Uh, they, there's a lot of pressure on them, they, but they end up going to another organization that's, that allows them to kind of keep doing what they're doing. And those relationships uh, may help you maintain a career and, um, and, and they become the stepping stones. And uh, um, I just saw, who, who was it that just, I mean, this happens so often, people move around and that's just normal for people to move around. But um, but, but you could, like uh, Matt Hall, he just made a lateral move. He went from uh, Southern Seminary to, oh man, what, where was it? It's in California. Um, I think Sean, Sean McDowell was saying how great it was that uh, we got Matt Hall. Matt Hall is a guy who is, um, he's kind of famous now for saying, I'm a racist because I benefit from a system that allocates privilege to me. And he was, he was in line to take over for Al Mohler in his position. And he's now at, uh, I forget what school it is now, <laughs> out in California. But, uh, you know, they're, they're probably, it's, it's a more, I'm going to be honest with you, it's a more progressive school. And I, I don't pretend to know all his motives for it or anything. I just say it, it would make sense if this was something that it's a lateral move, but it's, it, it may make sense that you go to a place that you're not going to have all those pressures on you. I mean, it's, Kind of, you know, Southern Seminary now is kind of trying to, I, I wouldn't say it's a course correct because <laughs> no one's admitted any failures or sin or wrongdoing, but but it's there's been so much pressure from people like you in this audience that they kind of have to uh, get away from the social justice stuff to some extent. Um, some of it's probably gone underground, but it, it's not a cool style to be pro-CRT anymore as it was five years ago at Southern Seminary. So, uh so anyway, I, you, you see the relationships end up helping people make their next move and get in, out from an uncomfortable situation if they need to or climb the ladder or it, it's just, it, it, it's a security blanket in, in many ways. And so you don't want to damage that. But I would say, look, there's a better security blanket out there. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Seek first his kingdom and righteousness and he'll provide for you. And you can't get a better security blanket than that. And the Lord's providing for Russell Fuller. Lord's providing for Bobby Lopez. Lord's, Lord provides. He provides for those, and they can sleep at night, And which is more important to you. All right, that's all I got. That's uh, kind of my stream of consciousness for today. Um, just things have been on my mind a little bit, and I hope it benefited you in some way. And uh, I got to go. God bless. More coming next week. Bye now. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.